0: You have reached the Dumb Christian. I am your host, Jonathan, and today we are pressing into that story of Joseph uh, after he has been put in charge, and then there's this dynamic, this tension with his brothers that he's trying to figure out. Are they the same assholes that sold him into slavery, or are they reformed? Have they grown up? Have they matured? And uh, there's some sketchy stuff that goes on. Even maybe some stuff that I'm like, why did Joseph feel the need to do that, regardless of whether it's the right thing to do the best way to have done it it's in the bible it's about to get real the bible we're about to get a little bit colorful so buckle up and welcome to dumb christian okay joseph has been put in charge of all of Egypt. Pharaoh says, you will be second to no one except for myself. So in essence, Joseph is like Pharaoh. (laughs) He goes from this, this Hebrew sold into slavery to Potiphar's house servant, then back in prison. Now he is reigning over all of Egypt. Like, this is crazy. How does this happen I mean, if you, you listens to the last story, you know how it happened. But like, it's just so crazy, right? So Pharaoh puts Joseph in charge of the whole land. And, and right off the bat, Pharaoh, uh, Joseph gets to work and he says, okay, we need to start collecting the harvest of the resources. the The resources we're harvesting... Because there's going to be an abundance, which is more than the normal income. So even on a good year, what is being produced now is way more than even a really good year in Egypt. The The dreams that Pharaoh had is God telling him there's going to be seven years of abundance, way more than you could ever count. So Joseph starts to go straight to work and he starts to put, as they harvest the grain, he starts to collect in bins. They use some of the excess to, uh, you know, I don't know, sell and get some resources so they can make some extra pyramids or upgrade, right, to um, pimp their pyramids. Yeah. Um, what's that show? Cribs. Yeah. Check out my cribs. My Egyptian crib. And uh, they start to collect. The Bible, Bible says that they they saved, Joseph saved five. Five one fifth. So 20% of the abundance of the year is going to equal about one year's normal resource preservation. So there's this like overabundance, right? And so he does this for seven years, saving 20% of this abundant product, produce, resource. And during these seven years, he, uh, Pharaoh gives Joseph a wife. Oh, Aseneth. I think, let me see, what's her name? Yeah, Pharaoh gives Joseph a wife named Asenath, who is the daughter of one of the priestesses of the gods in Egypt, the god of On. And this woman's name is Potipharah, which is very similar to Potiphar. Uh, You know, so it's like the trending name for boys and girls that year. Anyway, so Joseph gets to marry Potipharah's daughter Asenath, and they have two children over these the seven-year period, Ephraim and Manasseh. These are Joseph's children uh during that period. Well, when the seven years are up, uh the the famine hits the earth, the whole earth, uh instantly and hard. Right? It's not like in the eighth year things began to dwindle down. It was the eighth year, there was nothing. Literally, the entire earth earth is just depleted of their resources and yet rumors spread throughout the known earth egypt has food let's go to egypt but it's not necessarily an easy trek to get to egypt especially if you're going through strange lands other nations kingdoms who don't like strangers walking through their lands so journeying to egypt can be a bit tumultuous treacherous even And so not everyone can make the journey, but rumor gets to Jacob and his household. Egypt has food grain. We should go there to get food because they're running out. They can't, they don't have anything. The famines hit them as well. So Jacob says to his sons, his 10 oldest sons, not including Benjamin, you guys go to Egypt get grain, bring it back so that we can survive because we're starving here. Why doesn't Jacob send Benjamin? We learn later that... Jacob doesn't want to send Benjamin because Joseph has already died. Joseph and Benjamin are the only two sons that he had with his favorite wife, Rachel. And so it's kind of like this special connection. As far as Jacob knows, Joseph is dead. So Benjamin is the last remaining glimmer of his his joy and his pleasure that he had in his wife, Rachel, and with his son, Joseph. Benjamin is the last, uh, you know, tangible expression and experience of those the days the the good old days if you will so he's got to protect he 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 becomes helicopter dad for benjamin only the rest of you guys go to egypt yeah be careful but you know go to egypt get a screen so the 10 older brothers make their way to egypt they finally enter into town they find the line for the grain ride at disney Right. This is the line. Is this the line for um, the grain administrator? I can't wait to write it. And the line, you know, if, if you're standing at this point, the line is two days wait. Well, shit. They get in line. They wait. They wait. Finally, it's their turn to enter into the great auditorium of the grain administrator. As soon as they walk in, Joseph, who is the grain administrator, recognizes his brother's. But they don't recognize him. He can tell right off the bat. They're still wearing the same colors. Like, of course, Simeon's favorite color is, I don't know why, but in my mind, I always think Simeon is wearing a red jacket. So, that let's just say, Simeon comes in wearing red. Uh, Dan is wearing brown. Asher is wearing blue. Uh, Neftali is wearing, like, a weird burgundy. Anyway, he can tell, these are my brothers. And he's kind of taken aback for a second. He's like, oh... Whoa, my brothers. And I think he probably is like processing for a second, like, oh, do they recognize me? Uh, And he just kind of like stands like "Uh, what? But they don't. They don't recognize him because, you know, the last time they saw him, he was 17. He's now 30. Well, actually, he's probably closer to 40 at this point. He's grown up, he's matured, you know, he he he's a different shape. He's also wearing like the traditional headdress for the Egyptian ruler. Um he's got makeup on, he's wearing Egyptian clothes. Um he just so and, and plus there's no reason that they have to even consider that this could possibly be their brother. So even if it looked like Joseph, they'd probably be like, Oh, that's just a weird coincidence. Anyway, they don't know it's Joseph, he knows it's them, and he says, Who are you? Uh, But there's a translator. So Joseph is speaking Egyptian and there's a translator that speaks Hebrew, I guess. And so the translator is speaking to them and, and they're going back and forth and he begins to interrogate them. Where are you from? Who's your family connections? Who's your dad? Is your dad still alive? Is this all of you? You say your brothers. Are there more family members? And they say, well, there's 12 of us total. One brother is dead. That's the story they're telling everyone about Joseph, who they sold into slavery. And to be fair, it's probably a safe bet that he's died. And we have one other brother who is young and he is still with our father. So Joseph now gets some like family update information. Benjamin and dad are still alive and well, they're just back home. But Joseph can't I I can't imagine he he's got a full handle on how to even think about this scenario. His brothers sold him into slavery, and here they are begging him, bowing at his feet. Wait a second, this reminds me of those dreams that I had. When, when we were bundling up grain, my bundle stood up, and my brother's bundles bowed down to my bundle. Or the dream that I had, the stars and the sun and moon were bowing down to me. Now it all makes God had this in plan. He set this in motion from before any of this began. Wow. And he's trying to think, how do I, what's the right way for me to respond and interact with my brothers now? And the Bible says that he began to speak roughly with them. He began to see accuse them of being spies. You're not brothers. You're just here to spy out the weakness of our land so you can go back to your nation and invade and try and steal our grain. And they're like, no, no, we promise. We're brothers. We're just here for food for our family. And he says, nope, nope. I know you guys are worthless spies. Throw their ass in prison. And so they all get thrown into prison as Joseph is escorting them to their jail cell. Remember, this is where Joseph spent years. Joseph was in prison for however long. And now he's escorting his brothers to where they put him. That's an interesting thought. While they are being escorted to their jail cells, Reuben, I think... um starts to talk and he's like, you guys, this is what we get. It's finally come full circle. Karma is a bitch. This is what we are getting for selling our brother into slavery. But they're talking like privately, right? They're not talking to Joseph. They're whispering among themselves. They think Joseph can't understand them because remember, there's a translator who is speaking Hebrew to them and Egyptian to Joseph. So they don't know he understands that Joseph understands them, but he's listening and he understands that he's beginning to pick up. Well, at least they recognize what they did was bad, but is that the extent of the way they see how they treated Joseph so many years ago? Anyway, so they're in jail for a few days. Finally, Joseph comes back and he says, look, I'll tell you what, if you can go back home, bring your youngest brother, Benjamin back to me, and prove to me that you're not spies, then I'll believe you. But until then, one of you has to stay here in jail. Uh, so, And I'll release your brother once you bring back your youngest brother. That's the only way I'm going to believe that you guys aren't spies. So Simeon stays. Simeon, if you remember, was one of the guys who went through and killed every, all the guys in Shechem when they abused and defiled their sister dinah so here we see simeon acting in a little bit of a, a noble way he stays behind his brothers the nine brothers uh, are given grain in their sacks and on their donkeys and they are sent off home where when they get home they only discover that Yes, their bags are full of grain, but also the money that each of them brought to purchase the grain has been placed back in the top of their bags. This just adds more confusion on top of everything they already don't understand what's happening. Why is this guy treating us like this? We're no different than the group that went into the grain administrator before us. What's his problem? What's your deal, man? So this, but now they get their money back and they're like, shit, what's going to happen? Or is he going to accuse us of stealing the money because we got it back? Like what's happening when you hear the phrase, when people say like, we fear the things we don't understand, this is a perfect example. Like it is layers upon layers of chaos and confusion and they are gripped with fear. What do we do? How do we handle this situation? They finally get back and, and. They're like, dad, we got our grain and somehow we got our money back. And Jacob's like, well, maybe the money is just an accident. Maybe it was an oversight, but I only count nine of you. Where is who's missing Simeon? Where is Simeon? And they say, okay, we're really sorry. We don't know how this happened, but he was interrogating us like crazy. And somehow he found out we let it slip that we have another brother Benjamin, who wasn't with us, he accused us of being spies. And in order to prove that we aren't spies, he said, we have to bring back Benjamin. And that's when he will release and free Simeon. Otherwise Simeon is stuck in jail forever. And, and Jacob's like, Nope, That ain't happening. That sucks, and I hate that Simeon is stuck there, but I will never send Benjamin away. He is the last remnant that I have to hold on to from my favorite wife, Rachel. And even, you know, I could see Joseph in in him, and and it's just this fond, loving, uh, you know, he doesn't want anything to happen to Benjamin. Some time passes. They eat all the grain in the sacks that they brought back from Egypt, and they start to starve again. And Jacob says, all right, guys, time to go back and get more grain. And they say, dad, come on, man. We know you're not that dumb. We can't go back without Benjamin. Otherwise, he'll kill us. And he's like, well, I'm not sending Benjamin because Benjamin will die. And they say, dad, if we go without Benjamin, we all will die. So you know The only chance that we have of getting food and coming back alive is if we bring Benjamin with us. And he hums and haws, and for a long time he says, no, 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 I can't. Finally, one of them speaks up and says, dad, if we'd have just gone the first time when you said to go, we could have gone back, come there and back twice by now. Just send Benjamin with us. It's fine. We will protect him. And one of them speaks up and even says, if, if he dies, you can kill my kids. That's how much attention i'm gonna pay to protecting benjamin on this journey finally jacob says okay okay whatever happens i guess it's out of my hands we need food so they take double the money back to egypt the original amount that was put back in their grains the first time remember and then a whole second round of gold and whatever the currency was to buy new green because they want to try to do the right honorable thing hey let's make sure we pay for all the stuff that we got so the and they take with them gum and balm and this isn't like winter fresh and uh burt's bees chapstick i don't actually know what gum and balm was back then because i'm pretty sure those things weren't invented till later but i'm an i'm just a dumb christian what do i know And they also take some exotic fruits as gifts. They make their way back to Egypt. They get in line for the grain administrator once again. They wait, they wait, they finally get in. And sure enough, there's Joseph. They still don't recognize him, but he sees them. And he's got to be thinking, man, this has been a little bit longer than I thought it would take to get you guys back here. Your brother's still in jail. What took you guys so long? But sure enough, they brought with them Benjamin. Okay. That was the expectation that I had for you guys. Bring back your brother. I acknowledge you're not spies. You've kept your word. You've done what I've asked. Get Simeon. He's reunited with the group, and he says, you know what? I've got an idea. Joseph says, let's go have lunch together. And this is really weird. Joseph is like Pharaoh, and he wants to have lunch with this ragtag group of foreigners he doesn't even know. As far as they know, this seems really sus. And so he, they're escorted. He says, I got a few more people I need to deal with, some more grain to hand out, but I'll be with you guys shortly. And he has his assistant take the brothers to the cafeteria where he sets them up in order of their birth, which that's very coincidental, right? And they so they find that very interesting. Is that just convenient or is there something to it? and then Joseph joins them for lunch. Now, the Bible says that Joseph couldn't eat at the same table with them because for Egyptians to eat with shepherds is an abomination. That's what's written in Genesis. There are a couple scholars that make this a little bit confusing because they say, no, that wouldn't have been the case. Egyptians would have, wouldn't have would have had a problem eating at the same table as shepherds. But there are a lot of scholars who really unpack and say, no, that it would have been an abomination. Because Egyptians had a very strict diet. And a lot of times uh, they ate in such a way that reflected more of like a vegetarian diet. And they used animals for milk and eggs and not necessarily for meat per se. And so for people to raise animals, flocks, herds, sheep, goats... Sheeps, sheep, goats, cows, for the purpose of their meat to eat them. Uh, Many scholars say this is what was an abomination. So when they shared a meal, when they ate, if someone is, you know, makes a habit of eating things that they've raised, animals that they've raised, it's an abomination to the people who raise animals for their resources, milk, aids, etc. So regardless, the Bible paints the picture that. Joseph ate separately at his own little table from the brothers. And they're still confused. They don't know what's going on. They're actually terrified that he wants to get them alone so he can kill them. In the U.S., we have the, this law. Well, the law originally was intended to and designed to protect the citizens from the government. And there are ways where this isn't necessarily still the case or, you know, people are still can find themselves afraid that the government or whatever is going to abuse its power in certain circumstances. But at least the fundamental foundation of the law was intended and designed to protect the citizens from the government. Back then, this wasn't the case, especially in a global power who who could do whatever they wanted, especially with foreigners. And so there's this fear I don't know, is he really nice? Why is he inviting us to lunch? Maybe he found out the money was put back in our bags and he wants to kill us and they're terrified. Layers and layers and layers of confusion, which just adds to their fear because they don't understand what's happening. But the meal is actually fairly pleasant. And they enjoy their company and, you know, they're trying to shout across the room. How's it going over there? How was your trip? Can you pass the peas? And they get through their lunch and it's been pleasant and enjoyable. Actually, oh, interesting note. uh, Joseph had given all of the brothers tons of food and gifts, but he actually gave Benjamin, his own biological brother, five times more food and gifts than the rest of them. And they're like, this is really weird. But after the meal, everything is settled and um, they are sent off on their way. And they think, wait, did is everything OK? Did everything pl- work out the way that we thought it was going to work out? Nobody's chasing us. We're safe. Oh, great. Now we can get Simeon back. We're going to take Benjamin back. No harm, no foul. Everything was great. And we have all our grain that we need. Wow, that was a crazy trip. They start to make their way home. But Joseph had already set in motion a scheme that uh, many scholars say is to test them. What he had done is he had his uh, assistant place his own personal silver special uh, cup in the sack of Benjamin. You know, his personalized, signed by Mark Hamill, Star Wars cup from Burger King, right? Collector's edition. This is one of a kind, Uh, very rare item, special. He snuck it into Benjamin's bag. And what he did was he ends up, after they leave, he brings, he gets a, a crew with him and they set out, chase down the brothers and they say, hold it. You guys stole Joseph's magical silver Star Wars cup. And they look at each other and they're like, not we don't know what you're talking about. None of us stole your cup. Joseph says, yes, you did. I know you did. And I'm going to kill whoever stole it. That cup has magic powers. And they're like, well, if that's the case, you know, we agree who if someone did steal it, they probably deserve to die. But it wasn't any one of us. And Joseph says, let's find out, shall we? And he starts one by one, starting with the oldest, going through the grain bags, dumping them out, trying to see. They get down, get get down. And they finally end up at Benjamin's bag. They open it up, and sure enough, lo and behold, the special Star Wars limited edition silver cup, unlike anything else. There's no way you could replicate this or pretend that this wasn't Joseph's personal cup and the brother's are devastated they just gave this grain administrator permission to kill benjamin <laughs> and their dad was like don't let anything happen to benjamin and they swore they're like we won't let anything happen to him we promise and this oh yeah the shit just got real deep for these guys And how are we going to get out of this? And Joseph says, well, I guess we'll sort it out back in Egypt. Load them up. Let's go. And they all, they're escorted by armed guards back to Egypt. They thought they had escaped. They thought they were getting away scot-free. Surely this is karma come back to haunt us. We deserve this. They get back to Egypt and Judah, who has just been recently confronted with his own shortcomings, his own failures, right? As father to um, Er, Onan, and Shelah, and then his own shortcomings and failures as father-in-law to Tamar, and then the way he screwed up that whole situation, he says, I will take Benjamin's place. Please let me take Benjamin's place. I don't want anything. I don't want any harm to come to my brother. And I don't want any harm to come to my dad, who would just be devastated if anything happened to him, to Benjamin. He is the youngest of our father's sons and he loves him dearly. I don't want anything to happen to him. The Bible doesn't really tell us why Joseph behaved in this way. But I've heard many sermons and Jewish tradition suggests that what Joseph was doing was he was testing his brothers. Are they still assholes who don't give a shit about rachel's sons is it have to do something to do with rachel and her boys does it have to do with the age does it what does it have to do with anything else does it matter which brother are they just out for themselves are they selfish or are they have they matured and grown and do they really care for each other now and Judah says, I will take his place. It, it, the Bible almost feels like the brothers are clamoring to take over each other. Like, oh no, take me, take me, take me, take me. And, and Joseph finally has, it says he, he runs off to cry again, composes himself, comes back and he says, I'm sorry. I was, I was, I was pulling your guys' strings. I'm actually your brother, Joseph. Um, what? What? Hang on, how does this guy know we even have a brother named Joseph? Who is this guy? What is happening? And he says, no, I'm, I'm your brother. And he takes off his headdress and he removes his fake eyelashes. And he starts to remove those pieces that distract from his figure. And although he's grown and his face has matured, they can see, oh, my gosh, you are our brother Joseph. How the hell did this happen? We sold him into slavery. Now he's king of Egypt? What? How did this happen? And and they as they start to slowly like put the puzzle pieces together and recognize this really is our brother Joseph. Uh, they weep and they embrace, and they hug and they kiss each other. And and he says, "Look, everything that you guys did, selling me into slavery, brought me to this point." And then they begin to put the puzzle pieces together, and they say, "Oh." The dreams that caused us to sell you into slavery because we hated you for telling us we were going to bow down to you set in motion the very thing that has brought us to the place where we're bowing down before you. That's crazy. And he says, what you intended for evil, God used for good, not just to provide for and protect the world, the known world as a whole, but especially our family. God has been involved in this process the whole time time and he has saved us and they are reunited as brothers who now eagerly desperately and fully love each other that is genesis 42 through 44 we're going to continue on because this story ain't over yet we'll get into it next time i love you guys There it is, Joseph and his brothers, when he finally reveals himself, and they have a long-awaited reunion in the most crazy way possible. Be sure to check us out on YouTube, Dumb Christian Podcast. We have exclusive content. We are reducing our exclusive content right now as we gear up to end Season 1 well and prepare for Season 2. Send us a message. Let us know what would you like to explore on Dumb Christian And uh, yeah, be sure to hit subscribe, ring that bell so you know when new content is dropping and we'll catch you guys later. Love you guys.